0: consequence podcast network hi this is james mercer from the shins
1: this is shirley manson this
0: is low tallest commander of the cure this is huey lewis giving you
2: the story behind the song the story behind the song is back with an exciting second season we peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like the killers heart the b-52s violent femmes jewel huey lewis modern english and more Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast.
0: Hello, Opus listener. This is Mijan Zulu, lead podcast producer at Consequence. I'm here today in celebration of the 50th anniversary of hip hop. To celebrate... We're opening up the Opus podcast archives to re-release seasons focused on some of history's most legendary rap albums. First up, we are going to revisit Fuji's classic The Score, which comes in at number 15 on Consequence's list of the 50 greatest hip-hop albums of all time. You can see the full list at Consequence, and there'll be loads of artist interviews, essays, and more coming out throughout the month. So make sure to check it all out at consequence.net. You can also snag some of our exclusive hip-hop merch at the Consequence Shop. You can find that at shop.consequence.net. And here on The Opus, we're going to keep the party going as we'll be re-releasing episodes about Cypress Hill's self-titled record. So make sure to check back here every Wednesday and Friday for fresh episodes from the archives. Now, let's dive into Fuji's The Score and a happy hip-hop 50th.
3: The basement of my house is a really productive space. My husband's a carpenter, and he uses that space down there as a workshop. It used to be, when we first moved in, a practice space for the bands I was in. But since my husband is a much better carpenter than I am a musician, it makes way more sense for him to spread out and work down there. It's one of the reasons we live here. A basement workshop where he can create things at his own pace And in the exact way he wants, without having to leave at the end of the day and clock out or worry about a co-tenant messing with his stuff or pay someone else for the space, was massively important to him and to us. We're lucky to have it, and it gets used every single day. And I'll tell you what, having an unemployed carpenter in the house during a pandemic means this place looks amazing. And it really makes a difference in what work comes out of a person when they're truly comfortable in the space they create. The place of a thing matters. A location can inspire. The where of creation can be just as important as the who and the what. When we're talking about the Fuji's album, The Score, which we are, I think we also need to talk about where this album was made. The score has sold roughly 22 million copies worldwide, and it's one of the best-selling hip-hop albums of all time. And it was made in a basement in New Jersey. In this episode of The Opus, we're headed down to the Booga Basement, It was created by Brene DuPlessis and his brother, Jerry Wanda DuPlessis, and their cousin, Wyclef Jean. And it's where a literal underground hip-hop masterpiece was made in a space that looked a lot like the regular old basement in my regular old house. For consequence of sound, and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. Come on downstairs, and hey, watch your head. yeah
1: gonna find you and make you now that I escape, sleep, walk, away. Yeah. Those who correlate know the world ain't kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates Those who fake, they break When they meet their 400-pound mate. If I could rule the world Everyone would have a gun in together, of course when you get the up and on their hearts Kick around, shot Welcome to jail, welcome to the burger basement Yeah!
3: This is amazing already. I love it so much. So let's start with the vibe, you know? How are you this morning, Jerry Wanda? This is how Jerry Wanda welcomes you to a Zoom call. When his screen popped up on my screen to start our interview, he had a full keyboard and soundboard in front of him, and a bass guitar just off to his right side. He also had some amazing colored disco lights going, even though it was the middle of the afternoon. In full disclosure, it made my entire day. It was warm, it was fun, and so was he. Now, if that's how Jerry Wonder welcomes a stranger over the internet into an interview, how welcome must the Fuji's have felt in the Booga basement? Jerry's cousins Wyclef and Praz, and their talented co mc Lauren, and their band. If they felt half as comfortable in their studio as I felt five minutes into a dang Zoom call, It's no wonder the score sounds so good. Now, basement is right there in the name. But in case you're picturing someplace with drywall and carpet and paint, let me relieve you of that thought. It was a basement. Chris Schwartz from Rough House Records corroborates that.
2: Picture a house that was built in like 1920 in a neighborhood. Yeah, it was a basement. Like (laughs) a basement basement, you know, like dusky or musky you know like dark you know had like the grimy like you know uh well windows and everything and uh you know the ceiling was literally like that far from your head and yeah and they put this big console in there and it was uh it was uh
4: it was a basement
3: well that's fine right a regular basement is fine you can be yourself in a casual space like that and it doesn't matter what the room is like if the vibe is right and everyone's doing their jobs and this particular basement came from a place of love, like for real, because it was a family affair. My dad ended up moving now from
1: Brooklyn by a house in East Orange, New Jersey, five minutes from where the church was. So my dad was like, always wanna be a DJ, had so many vinyls, you know. And when we offered to really put him some music, he's like, go ahead and do it. So we ended up build up a recording studio and a basement, believe it or not, it was really... People think you just grew up rich and blah, blah. My dad bought that house. Till today, we still don't know how much, where he got the money, how he bought the house. But we end up called that house the Booga Basement, take the basement, put instrument. And a lot of people say if it wasn't for the basement, it wouldn't be a score. But only
3: God knows. But when you take a route, that's the route. The talent in the Booga Basement during these sessions is a... 25 year old non-secret now but in that basement in that home it felt special even in the moment the whole album was
1: like okay we're gonna do play, have an album at least we're gonna go gold we know something good gonna happen because you know with, with Lauren's lyrics with a um, Melody she was always she's like a a jukebox she was always coming up with some crazy melody and the first song we recorded believe it or not was this song was this song this song right here that was ready or not yeah. that was the first song that we caught in that score album
3: joe nicolo who's also from roughhouse records joe the butcher he remembers his first time hearing
2: what would soon be another hit i'll never forget the first time clef played me killing me softly. And I was I was just totally blown away by it. But I was like, you know, Clef, from a production side though, man, you've got you got the beat, bass comes in for the first chorus, and then it's just Lauren and the beat again for the second verse, man. I mean, the, uh, the energy just kind of drops in the second verse. I said, you should keep the bass in or add something. I mean, just to, to build the energy to the next verse. And he was like, nope. So I'm like, I'm not you know, I'm trying to be the a guy. And it's like, dude, you know, you should really try to put a little something, a little something, something in there. Let me put a little something, something in there. And he's like, nope. And he didn't. And uh, nine times out of 10, you find out, man, that the artist is almost always right. Because it was like, there was just, was just that record was, you knew it was, it was magic.
3: I felt all flushed with fever
1: in Maris by the crowd. I felt he found my letter and read each one out loud. I prayed that he would
0: finish, but he just kept writing.
3: In the mid-1990s, while the Fuji's were making history in a basement in New Jersey, a different group of future superstars were changing the game in their own way, in their own basement. And this time, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. I couldn't go through all this basement talk without bringing up the dungeon. It was a cramped, musky crawl space underneath Rico Wade's mother's house where he and his production team organized noise, would create the space for Big Boy and Andre 3000 to dedicate themselves to putting Atlanta hip-hop on the map. OutKast would shape Southern playlistic Cadillac music in that damp room, in that humid city, and that brings us back to the where being just as important as the whys, the whos, and what's. If an album can have a drawl, and I don't mean if rappers can have a drawl. Of course, rappers have accents, and of course, that lends itself to the unique sound of southern hip-hop. But if an album can have a drawl, this album definitely has one. You can feel the dust and the heat of the dungeon come through in that first OutKast album. Big Boy and Andre's vocals and references have remained very much Atlanta throughout their careers. But the very specific layer of grime on Southern Playlistic just doesn't really exist on their subsequent records that never saw the lack of light of day of the dungeon. And just like Andre and Big Boy, Wyclef, Lauren, and Proz would go on to record in world-class studios after the score... And the Booga basement would eventually grow out from underneath Jerry and Renee DuPlessis' parents' house. But the finished works that came out of that unfinished basement have their own layer of grime, too. let's the mp quick and let's coming around the south road let's drink amazon that old
1: southern south please ain't nothing but since in my atmosphere i'm being in corners at my lack boy cuz that's how we have been rolling here just saying it's in the fake because his george kicking the can cuz i need to track at your beast just supposed to that basement was the Motown, the, the Motown studio. We have so many people been on and that studio. When you say Jamaican, Bounty Killer, Beanie Man, Akon, you know, the whole Fujis, Then I even had another band called City High, you know, that I create I create, you know, with my deal with label deal, I create with Jimmy Ivine, All that create in that basement. Plus so many. I even had Bono for you from you too. Red Men, Nutty by Nature, everyone been to that basement. That basement was basically the sound of that era then to even to later on and build. So it was that it was the real Booger Basement. And when we did it, we, um, there's a song called Cowboys and we are, there's a band called uh, Outsiders. Outsiders was a hip hop group and even Eminem was a part of the house, Outsiders. People don't know, but when you say Booger Basement, my God, it's like, that's the studio, man. That's, you had a vibe. It wasn't about money, it was
3: about the talent.
1: Oh, so much talent.
3: And so many different kinds of people came through the Booga basement. And all of them were welcome. Just so long as you left the streets on the streets and came to work. Some of these artists, man, they, they leave the corner from selling
1: drugs, and they come straight to the house. And once they're in the house, there's no gun, nobody, ba- And all we had two dogs. And that's it, that protect the house and <laughs> everybody when they come, they know they're peaceful when they come there. There's no no but no beef. It's all about the music. They go out there, they get locked up straight from from the courthouse. They're like, yo, some of them is yo, I gotta take a shower, man, straight from the courthouse. I got my session in two hours. I got two hour session. So Clef and I we, we charge the people, we make our little money to pay the light bill while we're working on the Fujis. And later on, when the that was even before the foot the score album. So that booger basement was the real real basement for real if you, if you are too tall you can reach
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's something to be said about realness here about authenticity about writing stories of a heritage and a neighborhood and a life and recording those stories in that neighborhood with your family and friends in a house full of heritage Aside from maybe like outlaw country, is there a genre of music that values authenticity more than hip hop? This is Dometi Pongo. He's an MTV News correspondent and the host of the network's True Life Crime. And he, like me, is from the south side of Chicago. And as you know, I'm obligated by Illinois state law to mention that whenever applicable.
0: I think that was part of why that album has the staying power it does because there's an emotional connection when the music is just that real and authentic that you just don't get in a lot of songs. a lot of songs might be good but it's different when it's coming from a real authentic place sometimes it's different when the artist is picking their samples when the producer is in the group too when the songwriters are all in the room and they wrote this together not to take anything away from artists who uh, have helped writing records because, you know, we know Lauren got help as well. But uh, I think it's it's all of that authenticity, that creative uh, energy they were in.
3: The Booga basement was in New Jersey, which is its own thing, hip hop wise. And the Fugees deciding to record there where they lived and where Lauren was from instead of New York, which was not that far away, lends a realness of its own. We have to mention Praz and Wyclef's Haitian Heritage here. This was an album made by New Jersey Haitians, for New Jersey Haitians, inside of a Haitian home in New Jersey. And Samuel Ahmed, the executive editor at the digital media company Genius, lives in New Jersey. And he sees the importance of location and representation.
4: One of the things about the Appeal Earth record, again, they have songs like No Woman, No Cry, they have a reggae and an element to this to this whole album. That appeal, again in the Bronx did, did I think play really well for them because there's a lot of like West Indians, a lot of Jamaicans, a lot of Haitians in, in the Bronx. And there, there I think there was some cross-sectional uh, appeal. And that's one of the reasons why I felt like they were more comfortable exploring a variety of genres in on the record itself. But in terms of New Jersey and New York, it's, it's, always, it's always a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far because, you know, New Jersey hip hop definitely has its own its own artists. But, you know, I think when people think of East Coast hip hop, it's often tri-state. They, you know, they mean New York, New Jersey. Sometimes they include like Philly, something like that. But uh, yeah, as someone who's really from New York and is, you know, now lives in New Jersey, it's, it's always going to be, you know, a line in the sand. It's always a bridge and the tunnel in between. And, you know, there were a lot of successful New Jersey rappers. You know, of course, um, Red Band preceded these guys. And, you know, Rod Digger and The Outsiders on this album, too. You know, they were from New Jersey. You know, they were also, again, kind of just like Wu-Tang, you know, Wu-Tang had rebranded Stan Allen and Shaolin. I mean, I don't know if the Fuji's were the ones who started it, but they were definitely the ones calling in New New Jerusalem you know and that became kind of a thing that's like a very 90s thing but yeah i mean there's, there's always going to be that line between uh new york and, and and new jersey no matter what we'll
3: talk more about new jersey and haiti and why it was important for the fugees to make sure they repped both so fervently throughout their careers together and separately in the next episode
1: in, yard in brooklyn
3: The Fuji's recorded the score between June and November of 1995. That's the better part of a summer and fall spent in a dark, cramped basement hanging out with their cousins, making noise, and playing with electronic devices. If you heard that about a group of kids, you'd make them go outside and not come back till the streetlights were on. But since we're talking about the Fujis, it's okay. Because it all worked out. The Booga Basement is still going. It's fairly recently completed a renovation and it's relocated to an actual building in Bloomfield, New Jersey. As for Jerry Wanda, Jerry Wanda is everywhere. I am in Minneapolis right now, Edina.
1: Uh, But um, I fly, I go back and forth. And um, in New York, uh, my studio, Platinum Sounds is in Times Square and I do have the Wonderland in New Jersey, mm-hmm. between New New Jersey, New York, and Minnesota. Sometimes I do it in one day.
3: And, like I said, the score has sold 22 million copies. Not bad for a basement recording.
0: Ah, ah, ah. Word of mouth, y'all.
1: illegal sales districts, handpicked uh, lunatics, keep all the tricks, rich heretics, push takes amidst its risks and frits, who clicks, throw bricks, but seldom get talking. private dicks, sell hits,
3: like porno flicks, two chicks, the six a wick, like to let you know some more about the Booga Basement. i like to know why people name things the way they do. The dungeon's name seems obvious, but what put the Booga in the basement you know what it was like um booger basement was willing really, we was listening to
1: a lot of reggae stone love and all them stuff you know booger bigger you know it was like a bigger basement a booger basement is like make it like a big basement that's how we was thinking yeah you know, and we used uh, to say bigger booger booger bigger you know <laughs> yeah. and the basement was the basement basically it was the basement
3: for Consequence of Sound and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. I'll see you next
0: time.
1: Where the fuck do I What the fuck is my occupation? Well, I'm in MC. I'm down with the Fuji's. Mother Mary caught a flashback like Rodney. Now the cops got lollies. The subconscious psychology that you use against me. If I lose control, will send me to the penitentiary. It's just Alcatraz and shot up like El-Hajj Malik Shabazz. Hot class can bypass when my ass gets harassed. And the fuzz treat bros like they manhood never was. And if you too powerful, you can bug like Peter Tosh and Marley was. Yeah. And my word does nothing against the feds. So my eyes stay red as I chase crazy ball heads. Word up. Warn the town, the beast is loose. Word up. you on the town, the beast is loose. The chase is on, I feel like the bad guy five like New Jersey dry Drive Looked in my rearview mirror, police was getting closer. Heard a roar in the sky.
0: Consequence
4: Podcast Network Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Ozabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind
2: the song. Hi, this is Peter Chatty, host of the story behind the song. Each month, I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone.